Welcome to Game of Books Podcast. I'm Kathy in South Dakota. And I'm Christy in South Florida. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and mystery through interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors. And our virtual book club. And even our fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us on today's adventure. Happy Halloween. It's our Halloween 2020 episode. Yes, the year of horrors. <laughs> Christy, uh, looking pretty good, despite yeah, the hole in your head. My The bullet hole? Yes. <laughs> Whatever. I have a bullet hole in my head. I don't, oh, I got my, I did my nails too, or Cameron <laughs> did my nails. I would have So I'm, the whole dead thing is going good. <laughs> I'm hoping to get my goal of um, playing a body on Law and Order. <laughs> They're going to be starting that up soon, right? <laughs> I am rooting for you. I am My bucket list. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I didn't do anything too dramatic because I'm a witch every year. <laughs> My family yes, knows. Yes, you are a very pretty witch. Oh, I have that's to say. very nice. <laughs> you, I that's have to say, nice. you got the little Marilyn Monroe mole going and... Yeah, well, that was my daughter's idea that witches need moles, apparently more than one. I, I really didn't know, but anyway. And here I had to cover mine up in order to do this. <laughs> I don't know which is worse. Yeah. Okay, so listen, I'm really excited about this Halloween episode. And before we go any further, we should introduce our guest, yes, Mr. Please Doug please Marano. Do. Yes. And I'm going to put my glasses on. I know witches probably don't need glasses, but I, I do. Because <laughs> I want to get all of Doug's accolades correct. Okay. So this is, you're going to see why this is so perfect. And Christy knows. I've been, I've been wanting to get Doug on here forever. Doug is the Bram Stoker award-winning editor of Behold, Oddities, Curiosities, and Undefinable Wonders, um, an anthology, and the co-editor of the Bram Stoker Award-nominated Gutted Beautiful Horror Stories. His latest editing effort is this. You can see I've been reading it, so I've got my bookmark in. Um, All right. Yeah, it's uh, Miscreations, Gods, Monstrosities, and Other Horrors with co-editor Michael Bailey. Um, my daughter came in today um, and saw this Miscreations on my desk, and she's like, oh, I want to read that. And I, I was like, all right, that's the cover is great, obviously. Um, Doug is the as an active member of the Horror Writers Association and was the organization's promotions and social media coordinator from 2013 to 15. And he is the co-recipient of that group, the HWAs, 2014 Richard Lehman President's Award for Service. Ooh. And Doug resides in one of my favorite states of South Dakota with one of my favorite people, his wife, and their four children. <laughs> oh, Doug, it's great to meet you. Great to meet you as well. Thank you for having me today. And you're going to make me blush by reading all that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, we like to give credit where credit is due. Right. And Kathy has just, talked a lot about you. Um, I have. I'm and just lucky to be here. It turns out I, I kind of um, already knew you because I was one of the Twitter followers that liked your viral text. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was saying, oh, yeah, yeah, this viral tweet. Tweet. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Tweet. Yeah. Right, oh. right. yeah, there you go. I'm dating myself. I tweet. <laughs> all right. Um, but, I, but I loved your words and your sentiment. Um, 
actually, I'm going to, I'm going to read and it. See, you should, you should tell everybody what yeah. it is. Yeah. Okay. So he wrote, I get tired of the under 40 lists. Show me someone who's got their PhD at 60 after losing everything. Give me the 70 year old debut, debut novelist who writes from a lifetime of love and grief. Mm -hmm. Give me calloused hands and tender hearts. Aw, that was no wonder that went yeah. viral. Yeah, that yeah. deserved to, well, Doug. You. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it was it was a little off brand for me. <laughs> <laughs> what the tenderness? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. So tell us how that happened. What just what that was like? Oh, it was crazy. Um, I just I fired it off without really thinking much about it. Honestly, um, I had seen kind of yet another under forty list. And it just kind of got under my skin. Um, I don't know if it's a South Dakota thing or the way that I was <laughs> raised um, in particular, but um, I've always been one to respect grit over grace, you know, and those people who just never give up. Um, and so I just kind of fired it off. I didn't do any of the things you're supposed to do when things go viral. Like <laughs> I didn't use a hashtag. I didn't tie it into the headlines of the day. It was just a tweet and I put it out there and I went to bed there wasn't really anything going on. And then I woke up the next morning and kind of did what, you know, you're not supposed to do, which is reach for your phone immediately. But uh, <laughs> the so truth comes out. out. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, now, you know, I check, check Twitter and Facebook every morning when I wake up, but uh, I grabbed my phone and opened up Twitter and I saw that it had 2000 likes and a bunch of responses and it had happened overnight. So I, I kind of tapped Jess on the shoulder, my wife, and I said, well, this is kind of blowing up. And at that point, it was 2000 likes. Um, and then over the course of the next 24 hours, it just went completely viral. I think it's got almost 200,000 likes and um, tens of thousands of retweets. Mark McKinney from the Kids in the Hall responded. Um, I had members of Parliament from Great Britain uh, weighing in. I had the Wow. Founder of 23andMe sending me something via LinkedIn. <laughs> um, it was it was just crazy. And um, so it was a lot of fun. I was exposed to a lot of different people that um, I, I, I didn't normally, you know, my, my, my circle in social media is largely horror writers. <laughs> um, but this was, it was a lot of fun to sort of expand my circle. And I'll tell you, beyond the sort of celebrity responses that I received, the ones that came just kind of out of nowhere, just regular people were some of the most touching ones of all. Like there was this gentleman who had struggled with mental illness and he was in his forties and he had just gotten his driver's license. That was oh, his wow. Wow. something that he had done. Um, somebody's grandfather learned to swim when they were 80. Oh my and, gosh. you know, it just, those stories uh, really, really touched me. And mm. it's, it was one of those things that, you know, I think during a year, like, the one that a lot of us have had, um, it was for a few days, just sort of the antidote for mm. a lot of that. Um, so I was really, really pleased. You know, if your social media can be kind of a dangerous thing, and if you're going to go viral for something, this is the kind of thing that you hope right, <laughs> you'll right. go viral for rather than, you know, I really stepped in it in some way. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's, that's the that's the other side of the coin. Well, right. the fact that you lifted people up is really cool. And then you got to hear reciprocally all that good stuff coming back at you. I mean, that's yeah, as good as social yeah, media I, gets, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's probably it probably sounds I don't know, a bit trite, but 
it gave a lot more than I gave. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was it was one of those things that uh, for the next week and a half, it was a steady stream of stories. And oh, I wow. couldn't respond to all of them, but uh, I tried to, you know, as much as possible. So I was just really grateful that people engaged with it. Wow. You know, it's funny, Doug, I had, Christy and I have done, um, I don't know how many episodes this year already, but as I was getting ready for, to talk to you today, it made me realize of the authors we've talked to this, this season so far, the majority of them are starting this writing career as a second thing later in life. Um, Hank Philippi Ryan, who just won another Agatha, the woman wins awards like crazy, but her first career you know, was, was uh, journalism. And, and now she is just in her prime later in yeah, life. Yeah, she started writing at 55. She yeah. wrote her first book at 55. Oh, that's so cool. Isn't that mm-hmm. cool? And, and we talked to Richard Meredith, who is a writer and a second career for sure. I mean, he's retired from his career and, um, oh, a Mickey. Biologist. <laughs> yeah. And Mickey Browning was a cop um, and retired as a cop. And mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, that's so interesting. I think writing really draws that group sometimes. And anyway, mm-hmm. so we're yeah. in good company. Yeah, you, you have to live a little bit, right, uh, to yeah. have mm-hmm. something to say. And some of us, uh, admittedly, we live a lot in those first 20 years. Yeah. Um, and that can happen. I won't write people off who, who find that success early, but I find it just so much more interesting when people have had a chance to get a little bit of life experience on them and go through a couple of ups and downs. I think that brings a lot of wisdom that, that we can share. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right, Christy. Okay. I'm ready to, I'm ready to drink. Oh yeah. Let's, let's have some wine. (laughs) Shall we have some wine? All right. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Oh, look at this. We all have the same glasses. That's nice. Isn't that great? Okay. So, um, I, uh, I'm supposed to read the wine, but I'm gonna have a little drink first. Okay, what do you guys think? I think it's good. Well, I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really glad to hear that. This is um, Gnarly Head, which I just love the title of. Look at we all got it too. That's wonderful. Um, It is a like we're in the same room. I don't know, right? I don't know how cold it is up there. Sorry to interrupt, Kathy, but. Down here, it was, it's been rainy, rainy, so it looks really wintry, but it's, you know, 80s. <laughs> Doug, why don't you fill her in on South Dakota weather while I find this? Uh, we've got about, I don't know, five inches of snow out in the yard. <laughs> really? <laughs> the kids built it. Yeah, yeah. It oh, my gosh. Ago, I didn't know fall. that. Kathy. Yeah. Oh, exciting. Yeah, well, Christy, look, Christy, Doug, Christy always mentions that my, I have a mirror that um reflects my window and that is snow on those trees oh like, wow now i can really tell because it you know the, the way the light would show with the trees it almost looked white in between but now it's thick white yeah it's thick white yeah yeah it's movie it's, movie snow yeah exactly yeah all right um, so gnarly head um okay. old vine zinfandel is made using grape sourced from i love this gnarled 35 to 80 year old head trained vines. So um, these are some of the oldest vines in California. The fruit is produced, as they say, is exceptional, intense and full flavored. This intrepid old vine Zinfandel has a gnarly core of rich jammy blackberries and mocha flavors with layers of spice and vanilla. It says this would be really good with braised short ribs in case you were interested for dinner. (laughs) 
But anyway, what yeah. do you think? I, I think this is pretty nice. Yes. Yeah, so you know, uh, from, from, the, from the calloused hands, tender hearts, viral guy, give me gnarly vines and tender grapes. <laughs> That's right. Gnarly head. <laughs> I think we just right. made a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. That is perfect for today. Oh, no. yeah. I know. I, you know, I, what I was noticing, I remember when they've been talking about California, I'm hoping this is not in an area where there's fires because there are some old vines that it burned recently. Yeah. Like, oh, it's sad. Yep. Okay. So I am really excited to talk to Doug about, sorry, the head had to go away. I just can't take that anymore. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, uh, I'm Doug, I'm dying to talk to you about the horror genre. Christy and I both live in, she's more focused on young adult. I'm focused on adult, but we're more in the mystery thriller vibe. And I just want to know about how and what attracted you to horror, your own writing, how you got into editing. Go. <laughs> sure. Well, uh, the, my first uh, brush with the horror genre came uh, when I was probably too young for it, honestly. Um, my <laughs> It was the summer and I was, I don't know, probably 11, 12. And my mom, I think, I, uh, wanted to get rid of me. And she knew there was a garage sale down the block. So she gave me a little bit of money and said, okay, just go knock yourself out. And uh, I wasn't really a big reader of horror. I, I didn't, you know, have access to a lot of uh, books uh, like that when I was growing up. My parents certainly weren't into it. And so I took my money down the block and uh, pawed through this sort of milk crate of books. And there was uh, a hardcover book. It was a brick of a thing. And it was mostly gray. And it featured a little paper boat going down the storm drain and a green reptilian hand reaching up out of the sewer. It had two big letters in red across the front, it. Oh, I was going to say Stephen oh. King. Oh, that was, yes. that was how, that was how I started writing. Yeah, yeah. I know Christy's a big, you have read a lot of King, haven't you, Christy also? Yes, I have. Yeah. And, but that's, <laughs> that's almost the extent of my horror, I think. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the gateway drug for a lot of us. And, uh, <laughs> and so the, the irony is that I brought the book home and, and I did not show it to my mom or dad um, because it seemed like it was forbidden and probably, you know, probably at that age, yeah. probably yeah. was, oh, yeah. um, but I took it downstairs. My ba my bedroom was in the basement. I took it downstairs immediately and for the next summer because it's a thousand, 1300 page book. I took the summer to read it, and uh, every once in a while, I just come thumping up the stairs, bump, 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 come busting out just all sweaty, oh. and my mom would be like, what? <laughs> what's doing? with you? <laughs> Nothing. You know, I'm fine. I heard a noise. <laughs> just want to make yeah, sure my yeah. family's still here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty but, good investment, return on investment that it occupied you all summer, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, uh, it it consumed me. I would, I would say beyond occupied it, it, I became obsessed with it. And it opened up this world that, um, you know, because the book occurs in two halves. It's the, it's the, the kids at the Barrens, basically kind of that coming of age when they first uh, meet Pennywise and then they're adults and uh, in the second half. And I was just at the age where I was on the cusp of being the same age as the losers club. And uh, as a guy, as a young man who 
often kind of felt like I couldn't find my place. I really identified with that group mm-hmm. um, and just completely fell in love with that group. Uh, and I, I identified with them a lot at that age. And then the funny thing is 20 years later, when I read it again for the fifth or sixth time, I found myself really drawn to the second half of the book because <laughs> oh, that's, that's when, you know, the, the midlifers come back and confront <laughs> their childhoods and, and things like that. So it's kind of a gift that keeps on giving. I actually still have that original copy. It's sort of the shrine. Oh, wow. It's the thing that, that changed everything. And uh, yeah, it's the one that I keep going back to. You know, it's interesting, interesting. how I love, I love the, conversation about how the right book finds you at the right time some sometimes and that I mean obviously we're very young but it clearly led to something so you right transitioned into editing horror anthologies how did that happen yeah yeah so for (laughs) that's just not the normal track you know I mean (laughs) right 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 I, I guess you could say I was in denial for a while about what I really wanted to do because I tried to be a physical therapist um, when I first got to college and then um, transitioned into pre-law was actually nine days away from starting law school down at USD and was all signed up had taken the LSAT, everything I was in, um, did everything but buy books and actually walk into the classroom and uh, just kind of stopped one day. I was still at home for the summer and I turned to my mom. We were sitting on the, the front porch and I said, you know, I, I don't think I really want to be a lawyer. And she said, okay. Uh, I thought she was going to have a much bigger reaction than that. She said, okay, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a writer. And she said, okay, let's, oh. let's figure out how to make that happen. And she, it was sort of like, well, duh, because you know she knows a, a mom, a good mom knows you. And so I think mm-hmm. she was just waiting for me to say that. And so the next day we started to do the paperwork for the masters of uh, English and creative writing down at USD. I started there and and I made a promise to myself that if I were to start this and really change tracks and be serious about it, that I would support myself with writing and editing. um, And that would be my thing. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I went through that program, had a wonderful experience. It really broadened my horizons well beyond horror into the classics and, um, uh, black literature and LGBTQ literature and all these things that I had never really taken into consideration, um, which have now informed what I do in a lot of ways. Um, but then coming out of that program, I started to write horror stories, short stories, and submit them around and just sort of do it by trial and error. Uh, within a couple of years, I had probably a dozen, 15 published short stories and uh, was starting to get some professional rate acceptances and start to get a few invitations here and there to different projects. And so I thought I was kind of getting a little momentum there. And then um, the sort of unexpected started to happen and Jess and I started to have kids. (laughs) And and Uh. we knew we always wanted a family, but it was one of those things that we didn't know it was going to happen exactly then. And so... um, what I found was uh, I wanted to stay in the business, but after our first child, Rocco, was born, that the the time and the discipline that it needed that I needed to craft a narrative over the course of half hour to an hour at a time, it just didn't exist anymore. Um, but what I found that I could do is 
concentrate for 15, 20 minutes. And it was a different kind of concentration. And around the time that um, our second child, Eva, was born, uh, someone who is now a dear, dear friend and editing partner of mine, D. Alexander Ward, came out of the woodwork and he said, uh, hey, you know, I, at this time, I didn't know who he was. And he said, hey, I, I've seen your fiction in a couple of different places. I like your style. I like the way that you present yourself. What do you think about working on an anthology together? And uh, at the time, I said, uh, I was going to say no, because I thought, well, I just, I don't know. I've never done this before. We don't have a publisher. We don't have any money. We don't have any contacts, really. Uh, in the business, how how are we even going to do this? And um, it was Jess, my wife, who actually said, uh, well, why don't you give this a try? Because she had seen me kind of struggle to keep my creative footing over mm -hmm. the course of the previous couple of years. And um, it's sort of like, you know, it may be a bit grandiose to compare myself to this, but or this situation to, to Stephen King's situation. But there's a story where his wife fished the manuscript mm -hmm. for Carrie out of the garbage and told him to finish it. Well, Jess kind of did the same thing for me. And she said, uh, she was a little bit more tough love about it. She said, <laughs> kind of essentially, well, no one's really breaking down your door. <laughs> I, I have a theory that Tabitha King probably was more like that anyway, just that we don't hear that part of it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would bet too. I, it's, uh, it takes a, takes a good woman to prop a struggling man up. And um, I was struggling at the time and um, trying to keep, keep my head above water creatively. And I think she saw this as an opportunity for me to do that in a way that I didn't. And, um, so, uh, he came to me with, uh, the concept was, uh, shadows over Mayberry and it was HP Lovecraft meets literally like Andy Griffith Mayberry. Oh, and so uh, again, I, <laughs> I, I laughed a little bit, but then I thought, well, there's something there, right? There's something there that we can use. And um, so we talked about it. We went through like the intellectual property uh, obstacles that came with using something that was already an intellectual property, like the Andy Griffith show. But there was something about it, like this idea that somebody from a small town like Barney Fife confronting these horrors from beyond the cosmos, <laughs> like that appealed to me. Right. And so <laughs> I, I thought there was fertile ground there. And uh, so what I did is I said, well, maybe not Mayberry, but what if we did Shadows Over Main Street, where Lovecraftian horrors de descend upon just small town America. And to his credit, Ooh, you know, this was kind of his baby. <laughs> and he, um, he was, he was all about it. And so that's how the, that's how I got into this. It wow. was sort of almost by accident. But the thing we kept on saying it was like our battle cry was we're going to swing from the chandeliers until they kick us out of this party <laughs> and so we swung for the fences from day one and um where another part of my my biography comes into play is around that time i was also getting to be the horror writers association social media manager and they turned me loose to do a series uh, that i wanted to do of interviews called noah nominee and what that was is I was I was able to interview all of the Bram Stoker Award nominees oh. and uh, feature them prior to the awards. 
to say, all right, here are all of our people. This is the great work they're doing. This is what they're nominated for. It was around that time that, that D came to me with this idea. And then I kind of went, aha, uh-huh. I'm not going to be cold calling people. I have this whole Rolodex full of really talented writers mm. who have heard from me at this moment. And so uh, I sort of shamelessly started putting out asks and one thing led to another. And we, before we knew it, we had an anthology and that was, that was the very first book uh, anthology that I ever did. And then from then it's just been going to where the energy is in terms of concepts. I know that was a super long answer. I'm really sorry. (laughs) No, no. um, It's so interesting. It is interesting. It was one of those things that, that came together in a way that I never could have anticipated and we got lucky a lot because <laughs> a lot of people said yes that probably should have said no. <laughs> well, we're thankful for that. I know. Well, we and should talk like, a little so bit is, about it. Too. I know. So is this the third, Doug? Is in this creations the third anthology then? Um, let's see. So it was it was Shadows Over Main Street, then Gutted, Beautiful Horror Stories. Oh, so this is four. Then Shadows Over Main Street Volume Two. Oh. And then Behold, and then Miscreations. So, and then I was sort of, I was tangentially involved in one called Welcome to the Show, but it wasn't um, really one that I had spearheaded. So five in the wow. last five years. That's amazing. Okay, so I'm very, I, I don't know of the horror genre much. What, what I, the most I know about the horror genre is um, I read uh a, a thousand years ago when I was um, TAing at SDSU's master's degree program, um, we taught um, Stephen King's essay, uh, Why We Crave Horror Stories. And I mean, I really had to dive deep on horror genre then just because I didn't, I don't know of it very much. What kind of encapsulate, like, what do you think horror, how is that related to mystery and thriller? Because there's got to be some relationships there, right? We, we, there's something to be solved. I mean, in, in mystery and thriller, it's a crime usually, right, Christy? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. not a lot of, but I don't know, Doug, what do you think about, is there a relationship there, do you think? I think so. And, and that's a really good question. Um, I'm going to paraphrase H.P. Lovecraft, uh, who is um, one of the more influential horror writers of the 20th century. If anybody watches Lovecraft Country on HBO, um, that takes a lot of his concepts and um, transposes them into a different era. Um, he once said something like, and I'll say paraphrase, but he said, <laughs> the, um, the oldest and strongest emotion humans have is fear. And the oldest and strongest type of fear is fear of the unknown. And so I think that's where the kinship between horror mm-hmm. and mystery and thriller lies. It's, it's the thing that you that you get a glimpse of or that you get a sense of or that you don't quite see. Um, If you think about a movie like Jaws or Alien where horrible things are happening um, throughout both of these stories, but you only get a sense of it until the end when all is revealed. And so the sort of storytelling beats that you have between mystery and thriller and horror rely on some of the same principles, but maybe in different ways. I mean, I think horror just goes that extra step into, well, it doesn't always have to be supernatural, does it? No, no. Um, in fact, just be uh, scary. Yeah. 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 And it it can be, um, monsters that we make of ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, but I would say, um, 
it wouldn't have to be supernatural, but it has to be unnatural because right. horror, it, by definition, I think, is the the unnatural invading the mundane. Right. That so sounds good. That That's is. a good way of yeah. putting it. Because so you know, because I'm thinking about um, some some really big thriller writers like um, <clears throat> Lisa Unger, who writes about you know maybe serial killers or you know really terrible predators. Um, that same predator could be the could be the villain, couldn't it? In a horror movie, it's just that it's a different take on it, maybe, or a horror, horror novel. Well, because it, I think maybe because the um, the the serial killer is more the main character, and they're more like it becomes that's like a normal thing. Hmm. We all know it's bad, it's abnormal. That person's strange. The cops are going to get him. Versus this other thing, just is almost becomes like why does everybody think this is okay or something i don't know that's what i kind of feel like with horror it's like he's okay right you know, he's allowed <laughs> to be like that right yeah we we do let our freak flag fly a little bit more um and that's that but i think about uh, a story like silence of the lambs that definitely has a foot in both genres but i would i would put that a little bit more towards the horrific um or something like seven oh uh where oh, yeah. you know there isn't both of those situations there's nothing supernatural going on but there certainly is horror and um definitely leveraging those sort of visceral fears um it, it maybe takes a little bit more of the spotlight than the mystery aspect of it it's just i think kind of a matter of balance right. that is really interesting because i had never really thought about signs of the lambs for example um, certainly seven, but Sentence of the Lambs, I've always thought is kind of like, a, you know, great example of thriller writing. And horror writers would think that is a great example of horror writing. And I think that right. is so interesting. And I've never even thought about those two worlds coming together. But yet yeah, it's, it's, it, it's one of everybody's favorite novels well, because and books. Also, you know? Stephen King walks that line sometimes. Yeah. Know? I mean, he's it's horror, but sometimes it's mystery you know mm -hmm. i don't know yeah. oh it's certainly fun i like i like that I conversation we could go lot. on and on i could but <laughs> i'm dying over here okay are you hot <laughs> no. no i got a bullet in my head oh i'm sorry oh, yeah. <laughs> I got confused. literally literally <laughs> christy i think that this would be a great time for a alternative um question for Doug that we usually ask everybody on Quirks and Conversations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we do like to ask, um, you know, writers when we talk to them um, about which of their characters they would like to share a meal with and what would it be? So now we're going to ask you which horror character would you like to share you, a meal That with? you wrote or didn't write. It can be any. Yeah, it yeah. could be any horror we thought it would be kind of fun to hear. I mean, I, know, I'm not is, even, I'm kind of scared to hear what you're going to eat. Too, I, I, okay, if you say Hannibal Lecter, I, mean, I know well, the I answer. I was going to say that, you know, especially. Some liver with I, some but, fava beans. <laughs> and a nice Chianti. Yeah. Um, but, but the Mads Mikkelsen version um, of the character from the series, um, because he seems like, aside from the cannibalism, He's got like this, you know, that's a really weird preface, but aside, <laughs> aside from, from the cannibalism, cannibalism <laughs> um, he's, he's so, he's such a smooth and debonair and refined 
uh, version of that character and um, the tables that he sets are beautiful. And um, aside from the cannibalism, so I want to have like a pre-meal inspection of the goods, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> as long Just as I can sure control that, something. Yeah. <laughs> but you think, you know, he could make a true gourmet uh, meal and you would learn something about what you're eating, hopefully not too much. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that would be the, the first choice. Um, and then um, second uh, choice would probably be Roland from the Dark Tower series, Ooh. Stephen King's Dark Tower series. I'd like to share a gunslinger burrito with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm very impressed with those answers, by the way. I know. I know. I love that I just, when you had talked about, um, when you first gave the answer, it, it, it harkened me back to earlier in our conversation. He said that you horror writers really let your freak flag fly. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yes, they do. In a good way, yeah. a very good oh, way. That's fun. Yeah, that that's is fun. awesome. You know, um, it also made me think, Doug, that Christy and I have found the mystery and thriller genre writers to be this incredibly warm group of people it's kind of a tight-knit community and supports each other um, and we've heard this from other writers as well um, and it sounds like you're having that experience in the horror genre as well a hundred percent yeah yeah and um, I, I kind of say we're only scary on the page by and <laughs> large um, and uh, from what I'm from what I've seen and, and certainly this is true for me but I think horror authors and people in the business um, maybe feel that fear more intensely than others. It's not that we enjoy dealing out fear as much as we do working through that fear. And so uh, horror, good horror anyway, in my opinion, derives from empathy. Um, okay. That feeling of don't go up those stairs, don't do this, don't do that. The things you wanna scream at the characters before they do something that's irreversible um, comes from a place of empathy. And so. I think, if anything, the horror community is full of really kind, empathetic folks who work through their fears in this safe place. Um, and I've been very, very fortunate, um, not only on the personal side, but the professional side, you know, thinking about the authors who were maybe name authors who gave my books a chance and, let, and added their work to the table of contents before I had really proven myself mm -hmm. or who had given me tips or advice, um, lent their support behind the projects, whether by coming onto the project or routing me to contact information for another uh, author. It's, it's just been, my experience has been uh, that of a wonderful supportive community. Mm -hmm. That's good. I, and I feel, yeah. I feel like the mystery writers are very similar to thriller writers. I, I know those romance people. They're mean. <laughs> <laughs> All that love. I, just, <laughs> I know, you know, they're not getting out their aggressions on the page like we are, right. you know? Yep. <laughs> All right. Listen, I, this has been so fun, Doug. I am so thrilled to have gotten to do this. It's too bad we couldn't have done it where you and I could have been together, but you know, right? Yeah. pandemic, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> again. That's a but, horror. Yeah. <laughs> That's One of horror. these days, right? we'll all be together again. I know. I know. I was going to be up there around this time. She was. Well, she was um, going to come my, for the South Dakota Festival of the Books and 
It did oh, not work so well. Time. I know. Didn't work so well. But next year, hopefully. Right. Hopefully. Um, so, Doug, thanks so much for joining us, obviously. Yes, thank you. That is a big, big deal. Thank you for yes. having me. This has been fun. It is fun. Yeah, yeah, it has been a lot of fun. And um, Kathy, what do you think? Should we always dress up for podcasting? <laughs> no. <laughs> Halloween is all year in our heart. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> right? This is okay. Doug's holiday and I'll let Doug have it. <laughs> right. Where I live all year. <laughs> I, see, I dressed up as the guy you'd never suspect. Yeah, yeah you I, are. Exactly. You're, the, you're the mundane, very normal right. dad uh, horror right. writer. Totally normal. Yeah, totally then normal. he's like, you know, running through the house with an axe. I'll, as as he gets off, all right. yep. They are getting ready no, for a big move. I have no deep, dark secrets at all. <laughs> All right. Well, if any listeners want to dress up while they're listening, that would be great. I'm happy for you. Um, of course, I'm supposed to tell you that you need to go to our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, so you can get the new episodes, including this one with Doug Morano, right into your inbox every week. Right, right. Because no matter what, next week brings in the world <laughs> and we never know um we will have a new episode coming out on friday morning and um next week our um i guess we have a words in progress yes series that's where we talk to editors and get um a little writing class um so i think we're going to talk to elena taylor yep about resolution and denouement so we fun. we talked to Elena Taylor last season, and she about her own novel, which was so great and super inspirational. But as an editor and writing professional, she has so much to offer, and I'm really looking forward to that. Yep. Make sure everybody goes on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Mm. Who knows? We might have a viral tweet coming out of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also see about our latest contests and giveaways. Yeah. And we are going to have a contest, um, a giveaway of Doug's edited, some of his anthologies, just in time for Halloween. I'm going to get that going here. But this is his latest, Miscreations, nice. Gods, Monstrosities, and Other Horrors. Yeah, you can get it on Amazon. Here's, here's and, one story that I kind of found good. Oh yeah, yeah, Joanna's. Story, I, I'm not gonna. I'm is, not gonna yeah. pr try to pronounce it. This <laughs> was This was my favorite, by the way. I'm just showing you. Oh, Max's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one was a heartbreaker. <laughs> yeah, heartbreaker. I, yeah, that was. It, I, it didn't turn out the way I thought, but I still loved it. Um, Doug, before we go, how do people reach out to you if they want to learn more, read more of your stuff? What's the best way to reach you? Sure. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Murano Fiction or on Instagram, uh, same handle. Um, and those are the best ways to keep up with me. Uh, we're going to be, uh, my co-editor Dee and I are actually working on something and we're looking at a Halloween reveal of uh, what exactly that something might be. So it's a, it's a good time to, to start following. All so right. It's going to get exciting. We will all have right. all that on our um, blog and um, social media posts as well. So we will, we will multi um, spread each other's uh, good, good wealth. All right. Yep. So Thank let's you. give a Thank Halloween you. toast, shall we? Yes. To surviving all the horrors. <laughs> That's right. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for joining us on today's adventure. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube, where you can watch and listen. On GameOfBooksPodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter or enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers. Cheers.